And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Sam is a great musician, and he did a, a book of my uh, found poetry where he would listen to my radio shows and then distill my monologues or sayings or whatever I was talking about down to the essence of what I was trying to say in a very artistic form. And he would he sent me the book, and I, I didn't know who he was, so I threatened to sue him. <laughs> of course, I didn't. We became kind of, you know, internet buddies or you know email buddies and then we met once we haven't talked for years and i found this uh original interview and i played it i, I was so enamored of it sam i sent it to the new york new yorker writer who actually covered me in 09 and then covered you separately from me nothing to do with me because of your great musician music and he received it. He said, I can't wait to listen to it. You're two of my favorite people. Have you been in touch with him since? Not recently, not really, not since he did the interview, maybe a couple of years ago. How did he come to interview you for The New Yorker? That's actually a big deal. He, it, it seems like he was independently a fan of my music and, and particularly a record I made with a friend of mine, Sam Wilkes, who's a bass player. Uh -huh. We have an ongoing collaboration and he yes, he discovered that music and our respective music catalogs and is a listener to the music and he he just reached out out of the blue savage middle east on the brink north korea on the brink Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Well, he's a former music critic for the New York Times. Then he became a staff writer for the New Yorker. He interviewed me. So he found you, of course, on your own. Nothing to do with me. 
He loves your work. Where do you, Sam, you're, you're very well known now. Again, not because of me, because of you, it's because of your art. But where are you most popular? Is it in Japan or the United States? What would you say your biggest audience, your largest audience, where do they reside? Probably Japan and Europe and some in the U.S. and the U.S., but I'd say Japan, then Europe, then the U.S. Okay, jazz has always been a big thing in Europe. Even when I was in the 50s, black jazz musicians were flocking to Paris to play because they were not that well received except in small clubs here. Uh, I think you're I mean, I, I, is it that they have a better ear for kind of the offbeat? Is it? I still don't understand it. I think the culture is different. I mean, in Japan, the, the way they, at least to my, my, in my experience, the way they absorb art is pretty unique. I, I don't know if it's a, something inherent in the culture that has been there for, for eons or, or what it is, but there's something in the culture that draws, draws them to that music. I don't, I still don't understand it. Well, well, you're a musician. I'm not. So the little I know about Japanese music, I'll throw something out there. Koto music. Yes. What is Koto music? I don't know too much about it either. I mean, the Koto is a is an old stringed instrument that I would imagine was performed in court or its original usage. I don't know. I mean, music goes back there thousands of years. The Ainu were indigenous uh, people of Japan playing stringed instruments. And that music is still still pretty prevalent today in certain parts of Japan. And when Sam says, I knew, he's not saying I knew and you knew and he knew. He's talking about A-I-N-U, the I knew people. Not that I knew them, but that's English. And of course, I knew are the I knew people. It is a weird language. <laughs> I knew you knew, he knew you knew. Indeed. So, we, Sam, you're doing well enough. You told me you got married. I did a year ago. Yeah, it's the best. A young hipster getting married. That's unusual, isn't it? Yeah, we feel pretty throwback. It's great. <laughs> I love it. That's very I mean, a, fair, a fair number of my friends are, are married as well. And some of them with children. And yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's very interesting, given the societal trends in America today of younger people not getting married, not oh, wanting yeah. to raise children. Oh, and, yeah. And you're kind of an offbeat guy to begin with. And here you are, in a way, establishing a new trend of family life. <laughs> Perhaps it feels feels natural, feels right for us. A lot of my friends who are musicians, I could tell you of some very unique situations they find themselves in, in terms of their relations with others. It's I've seen every combination of everything. Yeah. Musicians are a peculiar bunch to begin with. I think just in terms, just because of how they have to relate to society. And it's just, so you find all kinds of situations. You know, I'm thinking of something I had a caller years ago from, I used to be on in these radio stations all over the country. One was in Las Vegas and I had a woman call. She said, I was talking, I was playing a piece of music. Was it a saxophone player? No, it was a drummer a drummer and he was a very famous drummer of the time buddy rich is there a buddy rich does that ring a bell yes i don't know if it was him i have to look it up but he had the greatest riffs so she said i'm his daughter and we talked but he would appear in a lot of jet wasn't buddy rich uh, a drummer in in many 
jazz p- combos. Oh yeah, he's one of the legends. You you've also brought Buddy Rich up a lot over the years. Uh huh. Okay, so it is him. I can remember him really well. I wish I could pull the pieces out right now. So uh, I'm looking at the original piece you put together called "The Found Poetry of Michael Savage," and I think we've I've read some of these in the original piece. City by the Bay, Design, Diplomat, Origins, Posures, The Dining Room, Mothers, Palm yeah. Desert Blues. Where are they now? Uh, Chef's Kitchens of the Rich and Famous. The Meek Shall Not Inherit the Earth. Uh, family Vacation, Freudian, Gar- Darwin, Dharma, God's Law, and Hunan. Which one do you like the best? Which pops out of your head right now? Well, it's short and sweet, but I think the Palm Desert Blues is pretty funny. It's just so succinct. Hold on. I'm going to find it now. It's on page 13 of your. It's very brief, but it's just good. I can't believe you just said that off the cuff. It's just so funny to me. Hold on. Let's find it. 12, 13. Here we go. Here it is. It's called Palm Desert Blues. Now we need a piece of Sam's music behind us. We're going to insert Sam. Uh, It's only a few lines. It's a good haiku almost. It's a maiku. (laughs) (laughs) Maiku. Why would anyone ever want to live in Palm Desert? They think they're Frank Sinatra. Even the dates don't want to be there. They can't wait to be picked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I don't know how you. Yeah, I just think that's amazing that you would just say that. Just <laughs> I don't know how I said it, but you know what would be interesting? Could you imagine doing a stage on stage in the small club in L.A. where I read, yeah, I, read, like, I read something like this and you're you got your little group behind me? Yeah, that's what needs to happen. I'm telling you, these are these are ripe for that. Would they some people would enjoy it in L.A.? I mean, there's still a few conservatives around. I have some friends down there. I think there's just people who would be interested in that experience. That that doesn't even happen anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, the old 1950s thing of the the the, the guy. Yeah, I I think you just have that thing from another era. That's that's just it's. You know, it's it's, it's, a, not, it's a sentiment. It's Mort Saul, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, yeah. It's not around anymore. It isn't. They don't do it anymore. No, if, if it's it costs one hundred million dollars and they try to make a film out of it, but it doesn't capture. <laughs> Here's another one, Sam. Let's see what you think of this one. Where are they now? You have to bomb for peace. You have to kill for peace. Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, the hippies of the 60s. Where are they now? Burning man in a wheelchair. Did they wheel themselves out into the desert to have one more fling? Where are they? Why are they not screaming from the rooftop? How many times? Why are they not singing that tonight to stop the war, leading the way, marching? Were they ever really anti-war? It's interesting. Where are they, actually? Where are they? They're in their mansion somewhere, probably. (laughs) I don't know. I like the chef's kitchens. I've been doing a lot of small cooking videos and, you know, it's actually attracting more followers on YouTube than my political commentary. Interesting. It's in a small realm of numbers. It's not a million, you know, but it's 20, 30 percent higher than anything is when I cook in my kitchen. Yeah, it's escapism for people, I think. Why watching a guy cook? Oh, that's people. It turns out that in entertainment, it seems people just are content with just watching people living their lives. Everyone's dream seems to just be to be a fly on the wall. Everyone just wants to be a fly on the wall, just watching. 
someone else do the most mundane. Me in my little kitchen with a four burner stove like my mother had. Making a sloppy meal out of food and talking about nutrition and then breaking into politics in the middle of it is like having a guy in their house with them. That's the new that's the new way of doing it, I think. That's where that that's is it's I think that's where it's all converging. I mean, it, it, you know, just it's that casual now. People are that casual. It's sort of, you know, it's almost like cooking porn in a strange way. Yeah, it's voyeurism. It's voyeurism, that's the word, but it is it, it's verging on a, a generation that grew up with porn on their iPhones. There it's been this has been sort of portrayed in in uh, art and entertainment for decades. I don't know if you're familiar with Jacques Tati, the French filmmaker. I am. But he made a, a film called Playtime that's amazing. It's just a masterpiece. And there's this, this funny scene where he, he's sort of, dis, uh, he's portraying this thing we're talking about, this voyeurism with this series of apartments where everyone is, everyone's in their apartments and they're all on, like glass, like on display, fully on display everyone and it's and it's the whole point is to be able to look inside from the street and just watch these people in their lives like they're in cages and oh. it, and it's just i mean he was taught you know that's that's like the 1960s people are you know it's been going on for decades this whole thing and now we're just reaching technology's just making it you know possible for every person under the sun to just live like that savage <laughs> Well, you know what you just did to me is the next time I do a cooking video, I'm going to say welcome to the Michael Savage uh, cooking video. I'm going to give you your voyeurism hit for the day. You are. I've been looking on my life. I mean, next time I'll do it with my shirt off if you really want to see a gray, a gray hair chest. <laughs> they, they, should... would, they would want it. You'd be surprised. That's what, what, I just cook with, now? what if I cook with an apron and I have no shirt on under it? And I just have a hairy white chest. They might like that. That's a, a viral a recipe for something viral. The old man and the peas. Yeah, it's chef's kitchen. Chef's kitchens of the rich and famous. Mother could turn out dinner for 25 people on a four burner electric stove and one refrigerator. Not the two million dollar kitchens from Westchester or Tiburon that nobody cooks in with the latest appliances. Gagano this. You can gag on the food they make because they don't make any food. Gagano, Schmagano, triple refrigerators and nothing in the giant pantry, but a diet Coke and a bottle of vodka. <laughs> it's so on point. It's just cracking you know, up. I should read that when I do my cooking video next. I should take that I mean, one. Out. It's like that. You're, you were talking about that years ago, and it's 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 like that. That's real. It's the truth. It's so funny. I just, yeah, I, I still can't believe like people have to realize that you were just saying this stuff. You were just riffing. And, and that's just that's the part that's amazing to me. And that's, you know, that's kind of what inspired it originally. It's just because it's not it's not like you're sitting down and thinking and thinking and thinking. It's it's more of like your whole life leads up to that moment, which I think is kind of the improvisatory, improvisatory jazz connection is that. What know? is that? What is that? Just that there's just that you, you spend your whole life practicing and, and uh, absorbing life and techniques and uh, and discipline and observation. And then just for that moment where you can in one second be able to express the, the thing 
so clearly and and it, and so creatively, but it it seems like you should be sitting and and tormenting yourself for hours and weeks over a a, a blank page and you know, but but yeah, you just you know you can just it is possible to just in a, in an instant just express it, but <laughs> it, it's the result of a whole lifetime. You know, Sam, you're a saxophone player. Actually, I always wanted to play the saxophone. I think I've told you this before. I have absolutely no musical skills. I cannot read music. Uh, I can only listen to it. It's like a guy who goes to an art museum and thinks he's a great artist because he looks at a painting and he knows who painted it. I can't play an instrument, but I, I, I to me, it's a, it's another language that I don't. I, I can't say I don't understand it. I do understand it. So if I want to get to a place that I don't, I don't, I don't want to be in the place I'm in. And I listen to some jazz from the fifties. It takes me, it, it does something to my brain. If I listen to um, Charlie Parker, he's not as discursive in many different directions. I think he's more linear, isn't he? Charlie Parker. I, I, I guess he's, he's, his, I think it's so psychedelic what he's doing. It's, I don't, I, that's how I hear it. I, I mean, I find it to be totally almost like a, a madman. Friend Dan gave me years ago, which I'm sure you know this one, the Blue Note, the collector's edition. You probably know. I, I don't know it, but I mean, I know a lot of those records. I'm sure you do. But so <clears throat> this is the one he sent me. It was very nice of him. Very few friends who are not musicians. Cannonball Ad Adley, Art Blakey, and the, I grew up on Art Blakey. Kenny Burrell, Donald Byrd, Paul Chambers, Sonny Clark, John Coltrane, Eric Dolphy, Dexter Gordon, Herbie Hancock, Freddie Hubbard, Hank Mobley, Jackie McLean, Thelonious Monk, Lee Morgan, Bud Powell, Ike Quebec, Sonny Rollins, Sonny Rollins, Wayne Shorter, Horace Silver, song for my father, it's beautiful. That song for my father's a killer. Did you grow up listening to jazz as a kid? Did, was your father a, 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 a you know musical guy who listened to this stuff or what? Yeah, he's an aficionado since he was young, and so he he would have stuff on. My parents liked good music. I mean, they still do, but they they would have stuff on. But I, it was never really pushed on me until until they saw that I had an interest in it on my own, and then. Right then, my dad pointed me in the right direction with some records. He got me some Lester Young, um, Charlie Parker, some Coltrane, Ross on Roland Kirk, who's probably my favorite still. And who? Yeah, who would you Ross on Roland Kirk? Never heard of him. He could play. He 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 became known for. He was blind, and and he he could play three saxophones at once. What was his name? Ross on Roland Kirk. Well, you're reading my mind. You know what I just pulled up? Izzy, the man in his music, this Hawaiian blind musician. You, you heard of him? Oh, yeah. This will rip your guts out. You listen to this. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I you love listen, the cover. You listen to Izzy, this guy. That's cool. If you don't cry at the, uh, at the end of this, you have no heart. It's so beautiful. <laughs> wow. So here's... Um, <clears throat> song for my father, the Horace Silver Quintet. Yeah, that's legendary. It is. 
I wonder if, yeah, yeah, I wonder who's listening to that still. Some people, for sure. That music's pretty timeless. So I made a note on the back. Cut to, two, at two, this is my radio days. Cut to, at minutes two and 3.06, The Natives Are Restless Tonight by Horace Silver. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's cool, man. That's, in, that's interesting. I, we need more of that kind of stuff happening. That's, that's what? Cool. The- little moments of that. Well, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't play any of this music on my podcast because they're all copyrighted material. Yeah, for sure. In radio, they paid the syndicators or the radio paid for the, you know, rights. So I can only play your music, which is all we're going to play throughout this, which is great. (laughs) No, thank God you're giving us the rights to your music. But how do people buy your stuff? Let's throw a plug in here for Let's have a plug for the performer and go and buy his CDs. How do they do that? Or what is it? Are they still selling CDs? No, no one buys CDs anymore. It's MP3s. You download. They buy in Japan. They buy them. No one buys MP3s. That's for sure. That's over. Streaming is kind of the only. It's either streaming or people still seem to buy uh, vinyl LPs and weirdly cassettes to a small degree. There's a cult community cassettes. Cassette freaks, yeah, for sure. People those little things you pop into a cassette player. People are still somehow into cassettes. Japan too. CDs are really big in Japan. It's probably the last market of CDs for for at the at the moment. Um, How do you sell your material then? Uh, through through distribution partnerships that <clears throat> say, uh, that that put the put the for, physical formats in record stores all over the world or through um through various record labels that i work with but you sell records records i sell, I sell vinyl records is that your primarily primary method of selling your music physically yes yeah so if someone's listening to this podcast they say i don't know this guy but he's he's really sounds interesting what would they buy a record they could buy a record they could buy a cd a cassette in it depends on the release. I release a lot of music. That's the thing. All kinds of music too, not just jazz really, but all kinds of music. So how do they get to you through a website or there's well, uh, you can go to, uh, there's a website called Bandcamp That's pretty well known at this point. That is a good resource for a lot of music, both independent and music um, under the umbrella of, of different labels. And you can purchase uh, digital files through that um, as well as physical formats, merchandise, things like that. So I have records there uh, on Bandcamp. If you just look up my name, Bandcamp, Bandcamp. Bandcamp.com. Yeah. If you search my name under the artist, you'll, you'll, you'll find my Sam Gendel, G E N D E L G E N D E L. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you you, you need a marketing it. person, Sam, you're a typical musician. I, I have, well, I have labels that do this. So I, you, you know, you do? I don't, I don't, I don't market myself. Yeah. I don't, I know, I know, I know you're, you're a classic musician. It works out though. I, I mean, other people, I, I hope my partnerships have, have been intelligently designed so that other people are able to handle that on my behalf and uh, make it worth the partnership for both of us, you know? So I'm going to read another found poem that you listened to. Um, I want to go back maybe to, should it be four people or cones? You like cones in Florida? <laughs> the cones. Cone, you like that one? Okay, we'll do cones now. We need a good piece of Sam Gendel music for this one. I hear a cymbal starting. 
beach town in South Florida. Everyone is on vacation, licking the cones, the licking crowd. Mmm, <laughs> lick, mmm. Grown men licking a cone. That's my favorite picture. A grown man in a pair of shorts licking a cone. That's the American male at his best. A pair of unishorts, white legs licking a cone. Mmm, <laughs> like a cow. Uh, but to each his own. If he likes licking the cone, let him lick the cone. I don't care. Okay. Oh, so man. what you did was you took stuff I was saying on the radio and you actually made it into a jazz metric. I I think I I would just it, I think it's just the way I hear these monologues that you will give. I I kind of it's just the way I hear music too, or the way I, the way I hear. I think the way I listen. I think is is reflected in how these present themselves on the page. It's just. That's what I'm hearing, personally, and I, I don't know. So I, it's, it's all edited, you know, trimming out the in between or or the things that are, I, I feel like are not, not the, the you know the distillation of the message and and what you're left with. I think is is kind of the the main idea, and and they just seem to follow this format because I think it is probably related to to your affinity for jazz and your whole history of, of living and you know i can so it, it just makes sense i don't know savage well my whole thing of living is fighting dot is, is is avoiding dying you know if you read the new yorker profile that kalefa wrote about me he said he's obsessed with death yeah, He's you a, are mortality. I feel like mortality, it, it, right? And yeah. and never giving into that, that just let, letting go and floating off. You know yeah. the whole Buddhist thing of let go. I, what are you crazy? <laughs> I'm Jewish. We I don't let go. I hold on. You're like how life wants to live. You talk at once about a half crushed ant and how it it, <laughs> oh, it, it keeps carrying on because it it's like life wants to live. It, it, oh, it, it's awful. I remember. Yeah, it keeps crawling with the poor half body. You know, broken. It's like, what is that? And you 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 will watch that and, and observe it and then and then talk about it on your show. And I think that is cool because it I don't know, it 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 just brings things like that into people's into people's fields that I think we're so accustomed to just casting off as just the background noise of life. And when it is, that is the thing. Well, the teachings of Don Juan, you, did you read that when you were young? Your oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Castaneda. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone read Castaneda, the teachings of Don Juan. I never got much out of it because my life's been about the teachings of Don Savage, meaning Michael, the Don Michael, because I didn't need to read Don Juan to know death lurks everywhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know he's that don't we all don't all living beings know death is around that being? I think our our culture in particular really shuns that kind of conversation. We don't we don't talk about it. Yes. Death is presented so casually or so distantly, you know, depending on how how which channel is coming to you from. It's it's like films, it's like people are getting killed off in films like they're nothing. And then that desensitizes us. And then life in life, we don't really talk about it. We don't have such a culture of death here. We bury, we, we hide death. I remember growing up in Queens, which was very crowded. And on the LIE, you'd see the funeral processions of the, of the, the, the hearse and the cars going out to the gr graveyards uh, way out in the potato fields, of Long Island. 
I, as a kid, even was then very somber about funeral processions. I didn't know the people driving by cemeteries. I always had a sense of something spiritual going on. And it wasn't just a plot of land, you know? Yeah. It trips you out. If you really let yourself, your, yourself go there to that place. I did all the time. And so even I remember once walking down on wall street, people don't know this. There's an old cemetery, I think from the 1600s in the midst of this financial district, you see cemetery graves from the 1600s. You see, they were people, man. They walked these streets too. Yeah, but I'm not going to be there. I'm never going to be in the ground. I'm not going to die. Curtain call. At a certain point, the end is near. You don't know when, but you start feeling that. You feel the red curtain. You say, what's it all about? At the end of the day, it's to try and walk tall and not hurt too many people or yourself. By all means, don't get on your knees. You are going to meet animals along the way. You're going to meet the worst form of humanity. You're going to meet the lowest vermin on the planet. Some posing as conservatives will cut your heart out for a dime. Some posing as religious will cut your heart out for a dime. The ones who wear it on their sleeve, watch out for them. The bigger the cross, the bigger you know what. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you like that one. Oh, here it is. The will to go on a half crushed ant. It crawls, still wanting to live by instinct, survival unto itself, a reason to carry on. Yeah. So in the in the musical world, we all know that musicians are heavy drug users. You are. We're not going to ask personal details about others, but isn't isn't using drugs a form of suicide? I don't know. I don't know enough about drugs. I'm, I. You're not a druggie. I know that. I'm not a druggie. No, I, I don't know that you conservative listeners who only want to hear bashing Biden here. He's a musician who's not a druggie. So keep listening. I think actually a lot of young musicians are, are free there. I mean, a lot of teetotalers among young musicians, a lot of, a lot of sober musicians now more than ever. Yeah. It's it's, vegan. They don't drink. They don't use drugs. Yeah, they don't do anything. They just just (laughs) just play. They're just online. I don't know. The playing is a lot of music is feels pretty. I mean, this is kind of goes. A lot of music feels pretty, pretty sterile, too. A lot of unfortunately, as a result, maybe as a result of this, (laughs) maybe they're not using enough alcohol and drugs. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's an interest. No, it's a very interesting point, because I remember when I was growing up, all the writers who were famous were notorious alcoholics and they would make an issue of being total drunks. Right. And they'd write about alcohol and blah. blah. Hemingway, for example, said he uh, notorious drinker and uh, he said he never missed a sunrise. Of course, his life ended terribly shotgun to the head, you know, but he was living on the verge of suicide his whole life. But he never missed a sunrise. Never missed a sunrise. So it makes you, yeah, it, it's tough. I don't know what it's like to be inside the mind of someone like that and what that's like and and how you're sp- expected to, to uh, e- even if you, even if you're given all the tools and, and the, the, you have all the, any, any advantage in life, whatever it is, you're given all the tools and then you still have that mind you have to deal with. When, when you lay your head down to rest at night, and I wonder what that's like for someone and, and how they're supposed to carry on and without losing their mind. And then, th- then they have access to these things that can 
you know, enhance this squat, uh, depress this, you know, what, I don't know. It's a strange, it's a strange life. I, I don't know about that stuff really. And Freudian, I'm going to read Freudian sandwich you pulled out of my material. All of us are crawling on one arm and one leg. We are all psychic cripples in one way or another. Do you really think you're a whole person because you went to Woodstock and laid in the mud? <laughs> I mean, that is the mentality these days. What? They think they're cool because they went to Burning Just Man? People think they're, they're this or that because they experienced this or that, you know? And it, it, I think there's a lot of shortcuts. I think the the problem with the the substances now is especially is that people think that it's it's like well it is a shortcut to something but there's it's not really a shortcut to the thing that they're hoping it is there is there aren't really any shortcuts <laughs> to anything <laughs> there's no shortcuts to anything no <laughs> you, no you know. no that's what children need to be taught I remember when I was trying to be a writer I kept reading how to be a writer <laughs> every time I read about how to be a writer it was sweat your ass off. Yeah, just write. <laughs> but keep it's yeah. 99. They would say, what's genius? It's 99 percent perspiration and 1 percent inspiration. People don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the talent in the world and you you could uh, you could really just sit around and do nothing and not have the, the tools to, to be able to funnel that into something. Well, that's the problem. Everybody wants to go on YouTube and be instantly famous just for going on YouTube. Yeah, I can't do it based on my abs, so I have to use my mind. <laughs> that, that, that's the way to do something and have longevity, I think, you know, I mean, like but I'm going to I'm going to cook in, a, in an apron with no shirt on next time. That's that, that will be legendary. I mean, what, just to show the white hair on my chest, you think that'll be it's just like it's just the concept of you. And it ha it only could happen had you lived the life you've you've lived thus far and, and led to this moment where you <laughs> finally take off the shirt and, <laughs> and throw on the apron. And then, you know, that's what people that's it's the culmination. Really wouldn't be ridiculous. Old man cooking an, an apron with hairy it, chest. It would only be. It depends on what you're saying while you're doing that it. I don't know what I'm going to be saying till I decide that night what I drink, have some wine. I got to be careful. You do have to be careful, but I think you're well equipped. I mean, you've 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 ha you have the experience to be able to to drive that ship. So I, I think you're going to be fine. It's funny. My I met with the uh, advertising agency head who sells ads on my podcast. Came down, greatest, nicest guy from the mid Midwest. Just a nice young man. So he said, you know, you probably don't have to edit your podcast much because you did so many years of radio where you had a built-in controlling thing in your head where you wouldn't go over a certain line. I said, yeah, but when I do, if I'm cooking and drinking, I go over the line, then they have to edit out the curse words. Oh, yeah. It cannot continue getting and spending, scurrying after fragments of gold as men always have. You could learn to live with less, 10 vacations, 10 cars. You could learn. You're going to have to learn. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you were saying all this so long ago, and it just rings pretty true. Well, you did it. I had to go look it up. I like this one, Middle Way. It's so short, too, but it's just, I think it's just... You want to read it, or should I read it? Read it. Let's hear Sam read my Middle Way. Oh, you wrote, you, you made it. You, go ahead, let's hear Middle Way. Too much of the spiritual, denying the body. Too much of the animal, denying the spirit. Bring it all together. Is that not happiness? <laughs>
It's good. That's, yeah. Come on, Sam. I like hearing you read it. You have a very poetic voice. <laughs> it's a, the Linu Tang thing is, I think, is is pretty strong throughout all of these as well. Some, you know, just the, the balance. Which else? Which other one do you like? I want to hear you read one, please. Uh, concept of thing here is pretty good. Nothing is a concept. There is no capacity to believe in nothing. Belief in nothingness is a belief in something. <laughs> That's good. That's Most of them I can't read without laughing at the end. Where is that one? Is that after Middle Way or before it? Uh, that one is um, uh, Middle Way. I see orange. Then I see it cannot continue. I just read. Oh, yes. Yeah. I have two. So there's two. I've kind of divided them into two oh. catalogs. This one is called A Man Like Me Should Live a Thousand Years. Oh, my God. And so there's kind of, there's two different collections, sort of. Can you send that to me? I don't know if I have that one. This one, the, there's one that begins with... Um, Wait, here, concept of thing. Nothing is a concept. There is no capacity to believe in nothing. Belief in nothing is... Huh? Yeah. You're looking at uh, the original collection called The Found Poetry of Dr. Michael Savage. Then I have an, a newer one that's called A Man Like Me Should Live a Thousand Years. That's pretty funny. I love that one. It's Belief so good. And uh, it's, it's, I'll send it to you. Belief in nothingness is a belief in something. That is true. That's very philosophical. I like Tofu Holiday. That's another one for the, rate, for the cooking. Should, oh, I yeah. read, should I read <laughs> Tofu Holiday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the meal, the men folk would retire to the small living room, uncinch their belts, and lean back, gagging and moaning from the amount of food they had just eaten. Uh, uh. The object of the holiday back then was to stuff yourself until you were in pain. It's true, eating like that is very unhealthy. It's far better to have a tofu turkey and talk about Occupy Wall Street, the meaning of it, how significant it was, how it brought about change for society. Nibble on your tofu. I mean, it's so good, man. That's right. Now. That's I don't get it. Would a younger audience understand any of this stuff? Would they like it? I think they would. At least they would. I, I don't know if they have the sense of humor. I mean, I've been noticing a lot of people, younger people, don't really have the same sense of humor. They don't laugh. They don't have sense of humor. They're not into jokes. They're not into jokes. I, I try to joke with some people. And they, they, they don't they don't want to joke. They just don't want to. They don't want to. They find nothing funny, right? They find they they're so uh, obsessed with um, making sure that every thought coming into their conscious mind is is um, agreeable to whatever they've set as their oh. the accepted code of. You know, virtue signaling kind of people. Kind not, of, yeah. Not just, exactly that. You're no, saying like there's no joke. Like you can't make a joke. You know, it, it's just, it's just that thing that I felt like was the the freest part of our minds, where you get into riffing and joking because you've you've unlocked a a level of openness that allows you to to free yourself from attaching your own moral code to and and to something. It's I, I find that kind of dissipating in, in young people, not not across the board. I'd, I'd say in, on one hand, there's a camp that that's quickly dissipating in. And the, and there's another camp where it's it's actually 
increasing, but uh, a l- maybe not quite as much as the the camp where that be- type of behavior or way of being is is significantly dissipating. I'm I don't know. It's just my own my my you know personal observations among some people I know. Young people can't joke, can't laugh. I'll just make a note of that. Yeah, they can't. I mean, especially in their people, and I find like in their twenties who I talk to, um, it's it's interesting. Like, they did just, they grow up in such a constrained world on medication for ADD or something? Perhaps I think the internet culture and and uh. social, social media is 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 you know that is such a powerful drug. Um, social control. Such social. a drug. Yeah, I mean, it, it really you're it it just programs your mind and, and tells you how to think. And, and so anything that comes in and enters your field that is at odds with that, I think people are strongly conditioned in some cases to, to reject it. And, and, and even, and even if they, even if their, their sort of more primal human brain recognizes the emotion as a, as oh this is what humans are capable of doing of jo- of of detaching themselves from themselves and joking around and they that has been that part of their minds has been corrupted i feel like to a degree but you just came up with a title for a song that you could do called social drug be social. a great jazz piece wouldn't it there we go. It's true no, you, you should no you, you you said social drug i think but it, I popped it. I wrote it down as you were speaking. I did the collected poetry of Sam Gandell just now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, so uh, social drug would be a good jazz piece. I, you know what I'm saying? Wouldn't yeah, it be nice? Old school. That's pretty old school. It's cool. Yeah. Social drug. Yeah. So here's another old one you found. TSA security story for those of you traveling around this time. The genius is that TSA sees the cupcake from a woman. <laughs> The icing was deemed a hazard by the sub moron at TSA who said it violated some rule about gelled liquids. They took away the woman's Christmas cupcake before she could have the pleasure of boarding and flying on an airplane operated by fascist air. (laughs) None of it makes any sense. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I was able to fly uh, with a frozen stew recently. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that you were able to, if you freeze a liquid, you can fly with it more than oh. three, three and 0.4 ounces or whatever the restriction. You're kidding. Is. You can freeze a stew and fly with a frozen stew. You, you can take it, carry it, it as a carry on item. Yes. A frozen. <laughs> well, who made the stew and why are we taking a frozen stew on a plane? I was visiting my family over the holidays and my, um, my, uh, my parents, prepared this stew for me uh, for my birthday because they weren't going to be able to uh, be with me on my birthday. And they, they would typically, you know, cook a, a nice meal. And so they made this stew and froze it and said, you can take this back and, and heat it up. For a what, what kind of stew was it? It's a, uh, uh, like a, a Hungarian style. Goulash. 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 Very, yeah. A lot of paprika. Indeed. Yeah. It's a, it's like that. It, it, it's very, they've made it before. It's very, it's delicious and incredible made with regenerative beef, like high, you know, really nice. And they froze it and it's weighs about two or three pounds. And I was able to take it as a carry on. Just a fun wow. aside. 
That's interesting because you you can get it in German restaurants today if you can find the German restaurant. I just can't go out to restaurants. Why? It, it, they're terrible. The noise, the people, salt, salt content. Oh, the salt. <laughs> yeah, the, I, quality, I, I, the oils, the I, the oils are cheap. The God. music, the music playing. Oh God. No, I, I don't. I you know, see. I have to ask them to turn off the crack music. Sometimes I get up and say, could you please? They don't even know what I'm talking about. They're playing yeah. it for the workers, actually, who like that music to keep their minds do, numb. Do they like it? The workers? They don't even know what they're listening to. You don't think? I don't know if they I think it's killing. I think it's destroying everyone's minds there. Workers, oh, the, I, I, can't, I can't eat if the music's wrong. So it's I go to a little Basque restaurant. The next time you come up here, I'd like to take you and your wife to the chalet Basque that I go to, right? So my friend owns it. I knew his father owned it before his father passed away. Rest in peace, Roger. So uh, uh, he runs this beautiful little inn-like restaurant. No one even knows about it except local people. And it's country French food. It's inexpensive. It's incredible. It's like an old country inn. But if he's not there, they play terrible like music that's on a tape. Yeah. I came in to dinner. And I'm hearing this this crack music and I call him up and I say, Patrick, please tell the staff to put on the bistro music or I'm going to leave. I can't eat listening to that. And you yeah. look at the other diners in there. They don't even hear it. They're exactly. not even they're not listening to it well, because it's everywhere you go. So I, I just don't think anyone hears anything anymore. You know, my ears are so sensitive. I live in a house where there's no noise. Well, I think you're. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It also the sound. I mean. You've been able to to develop your instrument as you know your voice, which I think takes careful listening, and so you have to be able to listen. I think you know it's a it's a type of musicianship. I think that I don't know what's you know some people have it even if they're not necessarily musicians per se. You know, it's still a musical mind. Musical can't. mind. As another one for you, social drug is one. <laughs> We're making the album. There <laughs> we go. Musical mind is number two. Go. I don't know if it's number two, but I'm writing it down. You know, there's some there's some airports now that are um, designating themselves as silent airports. This is whoa. That are it's really cool. No announcements, no music at, at all. So no sound in the airport. It's, so it's a pleasant experience. They know that people are getting rattled from the background. It's, it's it's uh, definitely exacerbating uh, mental psychoses for sure. Those types of ex experiences, being in those kinds of places, and uh, you know, it's terrible. L LAX is it, it's jarring to be there. It's, it is. I haven't been there in years. Pop, it's pop club music uh, interrupted by like hundred decibel <laughs> yelling announcements. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I remember walking through John Wayne Airport. And, and having this the, cacoph the, 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 the cacophony of noise of people, number one. And then you get the announcements, number two. I know, I, I don't fly, I can't take it. The Vegas casino, uh, following you around everywhere you go. Savage. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America lays out the threats we face prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on bondsandnoble.com. A Savage Republic, Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others.
another one, Sam, before you go. Posures, the macchiato drinkers, scribbling cafe fiction, maudlin, depressing, introspective, whiny, navel watching. Everyone in the Bay Area has written that kind of stuff, that overly analytical fiction that nobody would ever read because it's so boring. Hemingway knew. Paris had its share in his day. In Aristotle's day, there were posures pretending to be philosophers. In <laughs> Moses's time, someone was sitting with a chisel and a piece of marble in a Tel Aviv cafe, leaning <laughs> over for hours trying to figure out what to write. Moses knocked it out in 10 lines. Fast forward, Mary sits in the cafe writing about herself, looking at herself in a pocket mirror, wondering how long it will be before someone notices her. Suddenly, she has to go to the restroom. She shifts from third to first person, sets down her pen, goes to the restroom, comes back and prays someone has noticed her writing her great American novel in the cafe so that she can sneer at them and imply they are interrupting her thought process in the public space of a cafe. <laughs> I mean, that's top shelf, if you ask me. I mean, and, and that's just off the right off the cuff. I think that's amazing. That's crazy. Sam, where are you playing next live? Where could people hear you in America? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. You're going to have to go to Japan or probably Europe. Yeah. When you play, you play in small clubs or bigger venues in what? Um, I play in pretty decent sized venues. Like how big? Uh, it depends on the outfit I, it, I'm with, um, but certainly. It couldn't be where anywhere from 500 to 3,000 people. That's a nice audience. I don't like to play too big. I, I mean, I can't play. I, that would be the biggest. But uh, I, I enjoy playing smaller. I enjoy when it's 10, 20 people the most. That's what Coltrane liked. He, That's what I was just going to say. Coltrane you read my mind. Playing, Coltrane hated playing concerts for more than like 20 people. He wanted to only play in a hole in the wall interesting he, he preferred that he wanted to be among the people like on the same level you know just in, in that ex experience together he just wanted to everyone in the room and himself and the audience included to all transcend i think and, and be a part of something else for that for that brief moment in time which is really cool considering i i relate to that completely i understand that i um don't do live performances at all anymore but Someone asked me last night, would you consider doing a live performance? I said, truthfully, no, I can't take the adrenaline and what it would do to my my heart. I mean, I don't want to get that feeling ever again of yeah, live. Yeah, that is a thing. 2,000 yeah. people in the Rin Civic Center. I used to do them. You walk out on that stage after the warm-up acts, after the music, after the curtain comes up. You know, you're going to get that rush of adrenaline through your body. Yeah. That if you're younger, you can handle it. I don't use drugs. I don't medicate. And I feel it. It's too strong a surge. Yeah. You did something. You said it. I have in this other collection, I have this one called Red Light. That's really brief. That kind of sounds like what you're describing, where you said once on the air, you said, I fly like an eagle. I transcend my body, the zoological order. The microphone goes off. The lights go off. I fall to earth. That's it. And I've learned to fall. I've learned to walk after falling to earth. And I, never fly again. <laughs> I don't know that we have to fly. I, that's that's the thing. Maybe maybe we do. Maybe I should go out there and do another live performance. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. So, Sam, again, how do people I know you don't want to sell yourself. It makes you feel cheap, but I'm <laughs> let really me, I get it. The death of a salesman. 
But what is the website again that people can go and look up Sam's work? You can do two things. You can you can go to bandcamp.com and find a, a sort of aggregated there a, a bunch of different releases. But they have to look up Gendel, G-E-N-D-E-L. Yeah, if you type my name in the search bar on that website, you'll find it. But also if you just do a search query for my name in a, your browser, it, you'll just random things will come up. Also, yeah, okay. also on, there's a lot of music on all the streaming platforms too, all kinds of music, things I'm that are of my own releases and other things that I'm um, just a participant in of friends of mine and various artists. So. Well, I have Apple Music on my iPhone. Yeah, you can I, type my name in, in the me, a plethora of materials. Oh, are, good. Are there. Uh, that's where I get my jazz from. That's where I get my uh, my Cuban music. That's where I get the salsa music of the 50s or 60s. I mean, my music, I would say, is pretty bizarre to, to some people, but it's a bit know, of electronic music mixed in. There's all kinds of things. So, Sam, good luck on uh, may you and your wife have many stews in your future. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> may your first child be a masculine child. That's from The Godfather. I don't <laughs> Be nice to have a girl, too. Remember that line in The Godfather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. May, you, may your first child be a masculine child. Yeah, yeah. It's... Luca Brazzi sitting and rehearsing the line outside. What so... a great movie that was. What movies have you seen recently? You watch TV movies or not? I'm a movie obsessive. I just watched The Ghost Rider, which is a... The in... Ghost Rider? Writer, yeah. From the, about 10 years ago? Yeah, the, the Polanski film. Ewan, Ewan McGregor and Pierce Brosnan. I know the movie. What? Who wrote? Who's? It's a Polanski film based on a book uh, called The Ghost Rider, I believe. Is the I saw that movie years ago. It was great. It's great. I just saw it. My wife and I just saw it. She turned me on to it. Polanski and, directed that? Yeah. That's why it's so good. I'm telling you, you the, every shot, the lighting, the the every it's 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 pretty masterfully done. The acting huh. is incredible. It's a great film. Huh? Well, I, I at night, that's how I relax. I turn everything off. I turn on a big screen. I start with Netflix and there's very little to watch on Netflix. Oh, Netflix it's, is tough. It's so politically oriented and every scene has to have a certain type in it. And it's so predictable. Yeah, I can't even go on there. A lot of people I know won't watch it anymore. Uh, they, it's, they can't take the political messaging. What's a good film that I can watch? Oh, from my point of view? Yeah. But do you like... Uh, um, I like everything, man. You like gangster movies, oh, Italian yeah. mafia movies. Sure. Okay, every everyone, but okay, Italian Italian mafia movies are good. So, okay, let's start with Israeli movies. Fauda has to be at the top of my list. F A U D A. Have you seen it? No. No. Oh, you are in for a couple of seasons of joy. Okay. Oh, oh. my God, this is so well done. It's as good as The Sopranos, but better. All right. F A U D A. Fauda, which means. In, in in Hebrew, and it's about a special forces undercover team that works in Gaza or the West Bank. They speak Arabic fluently. They look like Arabs, but they're Jew Jews in the toughest of all undercover brigades. So they might pose as caterers going to a catering event in the West Bank. And if everything goes wrong and they're found out, they scream into they yell into their little thing. They didn't which means get us the hell out of here. 
because we're about to get killed. But they have to fight their way out of a catering hall. And most of the actors are former special forces operatives. And you watch the actors and the moves of their hands. They're so fast, it's hard to watch. So the star of it. God, I wish I could remember the names of the actors. He's become a big, big star on his own. Leo Raz, Leo Raz, I think. Fauda is one. That's an Israeli series that you're not going to stop watching. Then he did one outside of Israel called Hit and Run, which is a killer. The scenes in New York alone are worth watching. Okay. But now we're going to do another one because the cost of doing that one show, Hit and Run, costs as much as five seasons of Fauda. It's so well done. Oh, wow. When he goes to New York, and I love the scenes in Brooklyn and the elevated train. I won't give the plot away. So again, Hit and Run, uh, Fauda. Then you go to the... um. The Italian ones that I've loved over the years. God, why can't I remember them? But I've seen so many different good ones. I mean, Argentinian. Gomorrah, G-O-M-O-R-R-A-H. You won't believe it. 2014 to 2021. Okay. And the writer was Roberto Saviano, who is amazing. I mentioned his name because he wrote this book about the uh, the criminal underworld in naples he's been living with a police guard ever since he wrote it because his life has been threatened ever since gomorrah tv series that's unbelievable sabura is another one s-u-b-u-r-r-a blood on rome all right sabura blood on rome an italian crime drama streaming television series set in rome i happen to love the settings based on a 2015 film you will not believe it all right sabura by the way means the subterranean of what's buried in Rome. Hmm. And it shows scenes of, you know, archaeological sites at, at the opening credits. Yeah. Because they're showing that this went on in ancient times in Rome and it's still going on now. The yeah. subterranean links between crime, the Vatican, okay, the church and the criminal underworld. And they don't hold any punches on it. My favorite, my favorite is, uh, <clears throat> One of these where they show the interaction between the Italian criminal underworld and the gypsy underworld. You will go crazy for the gypsy scenes because they call them Romanos. I get that, but I call them gypsies. It's easier for me to remember. So it shows a big mansion, old like a big mansion in, in a walled little enclave where the gypsies live. And the head of this clan is this obviously rough, tough customer. So he's got all of the children in this house and the mothers and the grandmothers and the children and the grandchildren. He's conducting business, threatening someone's life on the sofa while children are running around with balls right near him, throwing them. He say, hey, cut it out. You know, like it's all into into interlock. The children in the midst of the gangster guy threatening a guy's life on his on the couch. The family life of the gypsies is enviable. I wish I could live in a gypsy enclave, frankly, <laughs> when you watch it. Yeah. Interesting. I'm That's excited. a good one. <clears throat> there are others. I mean, my friend told me of one. I'm going to leave you with one last one, which is a very weird one. Sam, I got to tell you about it. And it's sort of a, a homoerotic gayish one, sort of. But it's not solely that. You know what I'm saying? There's more to it than that. And it's worth watching from the point of view of art. All I got to do is find it, which I can't do. I have to giving the big build up. Oh, well, I don't know why I can't find it, but it's set in a castle 
It's set at Oxford University. Okay. Actually, if you search, it's Amazon Prime. It's set in Oxford and then in a medieval mansion. You could probably look it up online right now and find it. It's a film that was just done by a very... Saltburn? Which? Saltburn? That's it, Saltburn. Yeah, our, fr- our friend recommend, uh, told us about that. So, okay, yeah. it's it's astoundingly done. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I won't give the plot away, but it's about a, 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 a young man who gets into Oxford on a scholarship. He allegedly comes from a poor family. And he wants to get in with a popular kid, good-looking, tall guy. Everyone loves him. The women throw themselves at him. Comes from this immensely wealthy family. They have a castle out in the country. And this kid, the poor kid, inveigles his way into this rich kid's life and winds up invited to this medieval mansion, which is an actual mansion filmed under the conditions. The director, writer, she's a woman. It had to be a castle, a mansion that was never before seen in film and could never again be used in film. And there could be no identification of where it is. I've never seen anything like it in my life, having come from a small antique stealer father. And being a small collector of stuff to yeah. see the real McCoy, like the guy w- walks in through the rooms and says, oh, there are the boring, boring Bruegels, Bruegels. Oh, there's old boring. And he has all these great masterpieces on the wall yeah. in one room after the other, after the other, after the other. Mm-hmm. And what goes on in that house? Oh, my God, the madness and the tragedy. What's it called? Saltburn. Saltburn, right. It's not for the listener of the Michael Savage podcast. They'll say I'm promoting gay movies, but it really is way beyond that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I it, it looks it looks twisted. And cool. oh, it's twisted. It's it's freaking twisted. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about entertainment. So what's wrong with twisted? I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm all ears. All, all well, there, I tell you what, Sam, I'll collect my best movies and write them down for you. Those are some of the fun ones. Sam, I wish you the best. I hope we meet again, uh, either on uh, Zoom or in real. Do you and your wife ever come north to San Francisco? Uh, we uh, we've talked about doing that recently, but we haven't we haven't made it up recently. Well, if you come up, yeah, well, it would be cool. I will do two things. First, you're going to go to dinner with me in the Basque restaurant. That was, I guess. That was amazing. You can stay in a place I have a hidden location that I don't live in anymore. It's a beautiful furnished house. Oh man. Top of a hill. No one's around it. Be honored. That would, that would be amazing. You can have, you can have a room in there a couple of nights. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. And it's so quiet. Wow. That's so quiet. Unless someone's doing construction, which is one of the reasons I had all these different houses. Yeah, I'm totally. running from one house to the other, to the other to get away from noise. Totally. So I, I don't know what I can't guarantee that there won't be construction. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. You, I mean, we do. If you plan us. it around the weekend, there's no construction permitted up there on weekends. That's cool. Okay, Maybe. Sam. I know I'm going to see you in the near future. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. I mean, and we, I mean, on this plane of life, again, thank you for taking the time out today. Oh, thank you, Sam Gendel. Many, many thank yous. Thank you, Savage.
Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.